Jesus is good. God is good. Word up. Word up. Devil down. Amen. Amen. When the word goes up, the devil comes down. How many believe that in Jesus' mighty name? Amen. All right. So, again, today we are speaking on the theme of purpose and calling. Purpose and calling. And specifically today we are uh, looking at the great truth that God has purpose in everything. Purpose in everything. Today's scripture says that God works all things together for good. He works all things, all things together for good. So number one, he has a purpose in all things. And what's amazing is that it says all things. See, it's, it's easy to see purpose in good things, right? It's easy to see purpose in things that make sense. But it takes God to take things that seem to have no purpose and use it for a greater purpose. Amen. See, nobody, not just anybody can do that. God can do that. He can work things that seem purposeless. Or he can use things that seem to work against your purpose. Do you see what I'm saying? Even things that seem to hinder you, things that seem to stop you, disappointments, discouragements, accidents, unforeseen natural disasters like COVID. He can use things that seem to work against your purpose and still use it to make his purpose work out in the end. Amen. Amen. Right? I'm sure it seemed like uh, Joseph's purpose was thwarted or blocked when his brothers had betrayed him and sold him to slavery. It seemed like that was working against God's purpose. But in the end, we saw how God flipped it around and he used the very things that seemed to come against purpose. He put purpose in it. Hallelujah. God is so good that he can put his purpose in anything. It doesn't mean that what happened was good. See, God doesn't make bad things happen, but he turns bad things around for a good purpose. If you believe it, somebody said good purpose. Amen. So we're talking about the God of purpose who can put purpose in everything, in every situation. And that is a huge statement, right? Because that means things that we normally don't even consider to be purposeful now can play a very important role in God's plan and in God's destiny and God's calling for your life, right? So again, God has a purpose. For every situation we're in, for every situation we're in, situations we don't like, situations we wish didn't happen, uh, your boring situations, <laughs> your less than desirable situations, right? God has a purpose for every situation, for the good, for the bad, and the ugly. Now, there are different levels to God's purpose, and we have spoken about some of those purposes, especially the greater, bigger picture purposes. For example, God's glory. Hallelujah. Right? We were made for God's glory. We were made to bring God glory. We were made to display God's glory. We ourselves, the fact that we exist is evidence, is a manifestation of God's glory. God said, let there be light. God said, let us make man in our own image. And it was a display of his goodness and of his glory. Amen. And so that's the big picture purpose of God. But then there's also, I think, there's these basic purposes, 
you know, uh, that we can find basic foundational purposes that we can apply to pretty much every situation. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a, on a, on the, uh, I'm going to kind of take a little bit of risk and say, I, I believe that there are purposes of God that can apply to every single situation, you know, and, and maybe not every single one of these purposes applies to every situation, but I think most of them can apply to any and every situation that we find ourselves in. And, and again, I, I, uh, I say that's a risk because we're speaking about good situations, but we're also speaking about terrible situations. We're, sp we're, we're, we're talking about good things, but we're talking also about really bad things. And I know that those really bad things can carry a lot of trauma and a lot of hurt, and it can be very sensitive, right? But God can bring hope, and he can bring a light of hope and joy and relief and direction, even into the worst things, if we are willing to open our hearts and say yes to God's purposes in every situation. Amen. So, so today, what I'd like to uh, talk about is five, five basic purposes of God in every single situation. Again, every situation can be a good situation, bad situation. We could be talking about your work. We could be talking about school. We could talk about your home. We could be talking about your family. We could be about talking about your relationships, right? These are five basic purposes for every situation, which is great, right? Which is amazing because you would think, again, that uh, uh, the purpose that applies to a good situation would not be the same purpose that can apply to a bad situation. But again, God is God. And, he is, and His purposes are everlasting. And His purposes are not dictated or controlled by circumstance or situation. Hallelujah. People cannot change God's purpose. Situations cannot change God's purpose. COVID cannot stop God's purposes. Amen. And so these five basic purposes can apply to every situation. So as you hear, as you listen to God's word today, I hope that you can listen with a prayerful heart. Can I give you some advice that when you listen to a sermon, don't let it be academic, right? What I mean is that sometimes when we listen to a sermon and we only listen with our ears or we only listen with our minds, then it's kind of like listening to a class lecture, right? Or, or, or a workshop or, or a YouTube video, right? The difference between listening to a sermon that will have spiritual impact is prayer, right? When we pray, right, revelation comes in. And so that God doesn't just give us information, but he gives us revelation. And revelation touches the soul and the heart in a way that words cannot explain. Amen? That you would hear God in a way that's even better than what I'm preaching. Amen? That's, that's a good sermon, is when you hear something better than I'm preaching. I've had that happen a lot of times when people come up and say, man, that was such an awesome message. This is what God said to me. And I was like, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> I didn't intend to say that, right? That was not my point, right? That was not what I was trying to say. And so the credit and the glory goes to God because I'm like, ah, that was God using that message to speak to you something that was even better than what I was trying to say. May you be blessed today. Amen. May you be blessed. So again, five basic purposes in every situation. There can be more, right? There can be a lot more, many more basic purposes than these, but because of time's sake and just because of uh, prayer and just feeling like God uh, wanted us to focus on these five today, uh, I have chosen these five for us. Amen? Amen. All right. So number one, number one. 
Let's read uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verses 33 through 37. This is a passage we actually already covered uh, in our series previously, a few messages ago. And uh, it is, uh, you know, part of the David and Goliath, that famous narrative. And uh, so starting in verse 33... This is King Saul speaking to David. And this is after David said, I will fight Goliath. So this is that conversation, verse 33. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Do you want to know the difference between the way that God thinks and the world thinks. See, the world will always look on what's on the outside, amen? The world will always try to qualify you by what's on the outside. And he says, you're too young for this. And not only are you too young for this, but you've, you've got the wrong pedigree. You've got the wrong resume. You've got the wrong specs. That guy, he's been a warrior since he was young, right? He went to the best schools. He has the right education. He has the right experience. You, what were you? You were a shepherd boy. You're not qualified, Hallelujah. You know, the world will look at your specs. God's not going to look at your specs. He's going to look at your heart. Amen. He's not going to look at what you can do. He's going to look at what can I do through you. Have you positioned yourself? Do you have the right heart, attitude, and spirit for God to work through? Amen. That's the most important thing. Are you able to let God work through you? That's more important than what you can do. See, some people have a lot of ability, but God's not able to work through them right? What we need is a humble heart, amen? A heart that is humble, a heart that is, that is dependent on God. So God is looking for that kind of person, and, and that's not what the world sees. King Saul is saying, you got the wrong specs, you didn't go to the right school, you came from the wrong family, right? Da, 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 that's what the world says, verse 34. But David said to Saul, look, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. And he says, look, I know I've been working different jobs, right? I know I have a different job in the past than the job that I'm trying to do right now. You ever try to do that? Have you ever tried to go from one field to another field? You go from one career to another career. You studied sociology. Now you want to go into filming, <laughs> right? You, 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 you've been in business, but now you want to do social work, right? And the world will say, you can't do that. You can't do that, right? Because you got the wrong education, and it just doesn't work. And, and you're never going to get the job. But, you know, God makes it happen. Amen. And, and so David says, look, I know that on the surface it doesn't look like I'm qualified to be a warrior. Right. But but God, God's been God's been doing things in my life. I know that what God did in this area, he's going to do in that area. And let me tell you some of the things that God has done in this area that I've been in. Right. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from the mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Is that crazy? It says that he grabbed the lion by its hair. He said, yeah, Chashiga, right? A lion, right? He said, ah, right? Now, David is what you would call a man's man, right? Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, all right, young man. <laughs> okay, young king, go and the Lord be 
with you, right? Saul changed his attitude real quick, right? And see, David's confidence was not because of the skills or the experience of his own self on the outside, on the exterior in this physical world. No, his confidence that he could go from one field to another field, from taking care of sheep to killing Goliath, from being a shepherd to a warrior, his confidence was this, the same God, hallelujah, the same God who was with me when I was being a shepherd is the same God who's going to be with me when I am a warrior, the same God who gave me victory over lions and bears will be the same God, amen. Who, who will give me victory over Goliath. So what am I trying to say? See, David's attitude was that every situation that he was in, God was preparing him. That's number one. That's number one. God's purpose for whatever situation you may find yourself in today is he's preparing you. He's preparing you. And that even includes the boring stuff, ladies and gentlemen, right? Life is not all roller coasters and parties and big moments. You know what I mean? Uh, I remember when uh, the Hillsong guys, we had a couple of Hillsong guys come uh, uh, to, to Joyful Church and got to sit down and interview them. And, and they said the same thing. And it's like, our life is really not that glamorous. You know what I mean? Our life is pretty much like everybody else. It's pretty boring. You do the same thing over and over again. You know, we, we, we eat the same. We poop the same. We, everything, it's just normal, right? It's, it's not this, you know, amazing, you know, every day is really awesome and you're doing something great and really fun every day. He's like, no. No, there's always this day-to-day -day stuff. And, and the thing for most of us is that we feel like a lot of our lives are just filled with normal day-to-day -day or even boring stuff. But notice that David had a great attitude. He had such a good attitude when it came to that day-to-day -day boring stuff. You know, the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. In other words, do not head. Do not look down. Do not look and say... Oh, another day, you know, I'm just doing the same thing, going to the same, you know, same job and my life is going nowhere. Don't have that kind of attitude. Put God's purpose even in your normal days. Amen. See, D David said, look, I, I, I went to a normal job. In fact, I went to a job that nobody else wanted to do. I had like 12 brothers who didn't want to do this job. So I got stuck with it because I was, you know, the youngest one. In fact, I was such a nobody that when... You know, the prophet Samuel came by the house and said, show me your sons. My dad forgot about me. <laughs> you remember that story? He's like, where's all your sons, Jesse? And he's like, here's all of them. And he's like, do you have any more? Oh, yeah, that's right. There's the youngest, David, right? So David's, David's life kind of sucked, you know? I mean, every, you know, he, was, he was the underappreciated one. He was the one who was, you know, stuck with doing the job that nobody else wanted to do. But he had such a great attitude, right? He had such a good attitude. He had this attitude that said, you know what? It's not the job and it's not the activity. It's God who is with me. That's the important thing. That changes everything. And so I may be doing something normal. I may be doing something that seems very natural, but whenever God is in it, something natural becomes supernatural, amen? And you may not see it right away. You may not feel it in the moment, but you're going to see it one day. And here David is saying, my day has come. Now I see, right, that all those days I was just taking care of normal, natural, I was just doing a normal job, God's power was in it. God's spirit was in it. God's purpose 
was in it. He was using all of that to prepare me. Hallelujah. He was using that to prepare me for this. He was using it to prepare me for my destiny. Amen? Amen. You know, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that God uses extraordinary circumstances to prepare ordinary people for extraordinary callings and destinies, right? So, so that's good news because some of us, we feel like you, we may be going through extraordinary circumstances right now, like COVID, that's an extraordinary circumstance. Some of you are going through really hard times, really incredible tragedies, very horrific tra tragedies in your life. And so I hope that this is comfort to you, that God is able to use even the most extraordinary, most difficult, most hard, most biggest circumstances for your destiny. Amen? Wow. Right? But here's another part of it. Here's, here's some more good news. See, God doesn't just use extraordinary circumstances. He uses ordinary circumstances. Very, very ordinary things. Things that we just think wouldn't matter. Things that are just normal. Things that, days that we would just forget about it because it was just like any other day. I was just doing the same thing that I did every, every day. Sorry, I thought about something really funny. There was this girl, uh, she has an Instagram account where she, uh, she, she, uh, she uses the, the Apple emojis. You know the Apple emojis where you can use an animal face? So she records herself talking like animals as if she was an animal in a Bible story. So one time she uses a, a, a rooster and she, she was the rooster who crowed three times when Peter denied Jesus. <laughs> so she was like, I was just doing my job. I didn't mean to cause anybody trouble, but I guess the Peter guy got in trouble. It was just, I was just doing my job. You know, I was just, I was just crowing because the sun went up, but yeah. Peter got in trouble. Anyway, sorry. So, so David now is able to look back and he said, wow, all those days I thought I was just doing just a normal job. God was actually preparing me for something greater. Amen? God is using your now. Somebody said he's using my now. Your destiny is now. Your calling is now. Amen? See, if, you're, if you think, if you believe your calling is to go to some other country to be a missionary, your destiny doesn't start when you go to that country. Your destiny starts now. Amen? David's destiny didn't start when he met Goliath. Sure, he was destined to meet Goliath and battle Goliath and have the victory over Goliath, but his his destiny actually started when he didn't know it. It started when he had no idea that Goliath would be in the picture one day. It wasn't like he knew that one day he would be fighting this giant. He didn't know it. Can I tell you that the good news is that even though you don't know what your destiny is, you are actually in your destiny right now. Hallelujah. You don't have to know it. You don't even have to know what's going to happen to be living it right now because God knows. Amen. And that's why he has you where you're at. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. And it takes faith. Right? To say, I may not know everything, but God knows. So I know the one who knows, and I trust the one who knows, and I know that he knows what he's doing, and he knows that there's a reason why I'm in Korea. He knows that there's a reason why I'm in these circumstances and situations. And one day I'm going to look back and say, that's why. That's why. Because here I am, right? I'm ready to take Goliath down. Come on. Somebody say amen. Somebody say God knows. God knows, God knows, he knows, even though you don't know, God knows, you don't see it, but God knows, he's using it, that's why you are where you are, right, see, I remember one, one time a pastor uh, talked about Moses, and uh, you know the story of Moses, that 
you know, he, he was the prince of Egypt. You know, you, if you saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, he ends up in the desert, right? There's a, there's a theme here. You get it? You see it, right? David was in the desert. And then Moses was also taking care of sheep. David took care of sheep, right? And then Moses, while, you know, he was in the desert taking care of sheep, you know, the, the pastor was pointing out, like, man, how different on the surface does it look like that from going from shepherd to deliverer, right? He went from this, this uh, basically a guy who was running away from the law and ended up taking care of sheep to the leader, right, of leading millions of people out of Egypt, millions of people out of slavery, you know? So in the natural, we tend to try to plan our, our course in a way that makes sense, right? We, we try to plan our life in a way that, well, if I'm going to do that, then I got to do this, right? If I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to make films, then I should study films, right? I, it makes sense, right? We, we should do things that, that connect, right? But, but God has a way of using things that don't seem to connect at all, right? What does being a shepherd have to do with leading, being a, a, like a civil rights leader, right? Setting slaves free. What was that? I have anything to do with anything, you know? And, and the pastor was saying, well, you know, the, the crazy thing is that how after Moses, or I should say God, after God set the Israelites free, now they had to be in the desert, in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, you, you got to know the wilderness, right? If you want to survive in the wilderness, you got to be familiar with the wilderness. You got to know where to find water. You got to be able to kind of know when the weather's about to change. You got to be able to know those things, right? And Moses did. Why? Because he took care of sheep, right? For like 40 years, he was a wilderness expert. And of course, at that time when he was taking care of sheep, he, would, he could have never imagined how the skills or the experiences that he was gaining in that area of life, in that field, would apply to his future one day. Hallelujah. And so this is number two. This is number two. God's purpose for your situation is to train you, is to train you. He's training you in ways that perhaps you don't even realize you know, you, you say, well, my, my thing is that I, I want to be, um, I don't know, like I want to be a, a, a filmmaker. So I should be studying film right now, right? But God will have you in areas and in, in places in your life right now that, that doesn't seem to be connected at all to your future. It seems completely unrelated, right? Because he may be saying, well, you think you need to work on your film skills, but actually there are other areas in your life that are more important, that will be more relevant in the future, that doesn't seem related at all, right? Psalm chapter 18 says this, Psalm 18 verse 34, it says, God trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Right. See, God's going to prepare you to do things that you never thought you'd be able to do. Verse 35, you have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me. Do you know that you have God's support today? Come on, somebody. You have God's support. Right. You may not be where you wish you were, but you have God's support. And it says, and your gentleness made me great. You're not going to make yourself great. Your resume is not going to make yourself great. God is going to make yourself great. 
And what's important is to realize that God may be preparing you and training you in areas of your life that you are not focused on, that you may have overlooked or you may not think is as important. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to do this, so I got to do things that are related to that. But perhaps... It's not about skills. Maybe it's not about knowledge, right? Where you're at right now, maybe it's not about doing things that seem to be related to your future. Maybe it's core things. Maybe it's principal things. Maybe instead of what you can do, perhaps God is working on you. Yeah. Instead of working on your ability, he's working on who you are. Perhaps the more important thing God is training you right now is your attitude. Come on, somebody. Somebody said attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. I've been around now some, some really amazing leaders, leaders of, of huge, successful companies. I've, I've been around people who are very successful in their respective fields. And I realize that there are people with skills, but they don't go very far. And it's because of their attitude. Right? And they all get frustrated and say, I'm, I'm better than her, but why does she get the promotion except for me? Attitude. Attitude. Right? When it comes down to it, people are people. Right? And people want to work with people that they like to work with. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and this person may be a bit more qualified than this person, but this person has a better attitude than this person. And I need to go to work with this person every single, you know, whoever I'm going to hire, I got to work with them every single day. So that's right. I'm going to choose the person who's not going to make my life hell. You know, I'm going to choose the person with a better attitude. Amen. Uh, perhaps God's working on your humility. Perhaps God's working on your mentality. Perhaps God's trying to train your character. Or maybe God's trying to train your patience, right? Or maybe he's working on your faith, right? Maybe that's why you are where you are right now. Because it's not about the job. It's about you. Maybe God's trying to train your perseverance, right? Because he knows that in the future, your destiny is so great. The plans that he has for you is so big, right? Remember, the greater the level the more you're going to need, the more you're going to need, right? The, the higher the level of work, the higher the level of success, the greater the pressure, the greater the responsibilities. So you're going to need greater perseverance in those levels. You're going to need, so the higher the level, the higher the devils, right? The higher the levels, the more the devils. I think that's the way the saying goes, right? And so you're, there's going to be greater problems. There's going to be greater pressures. There's going to be worse people. You think the people you're working with right now, right, is difficult, and if you just get the right job those people are going to go away no there's always going to be a Karen you know see what I'm saying there's always going to be a Karen and, and those of you who know some you know uh, western slang you know what I'm talking about when I say a Karen you know those complainers those self-entitled people those people who make going to work miserable right there's always going to be those people I wish they were not there. I wish, like you, that one day we could be free from those kind of people. But unfortunately, those people exist. And in, in a way, they are the purpose. They're the mission. Those are the kind of people God is calling us to try to love. Amen. And maybe that's the thing that God's trying to train you. Maybe he's trying to train your love. Because if there's anything that we are called to, if there's any purpose, any vision that is the most important, it is love. Amen. Because God says, right, that, that, that love, without love, Paul said, without love, I can, I, can, I can have faith that move mountains. 
I can raise the dead, but if I don't have love, it all it's all meaningless. Love is the purpose within the purpose, amen? Love is the purpose that without love, your purpose is purposeless in God's eyes. I don't care how many people you feed, how many homeless people you, 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 you help. Uh, it doesn't matter, right? Without love, God says in his eyes, when it comes to eternity, without love, right? Your purpose is purposeless. So perhaps that's what God's working on right now, right? Because up till now, you are a person who received love and looked for love, right? But maybe God's training you and building you. And I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But you are not just a normal soldier. You are a special forces soldier, amen? You're not just a normal person. You are a kingdom person, amen? You're not just a normal influencer. You're a kingdom influencer. And so you may be going through harder situations than other people. You're going through difficulties that other people don't go through, right? Why? Because you're special forces. You are, you are the army of the Lord. God is training you. God is preparing you for something greater than you can imagine for something greater than you can do the bible says that he trains my hands for war amen he trains me so that i can bend a bow of bronze so that i can do things that other people couldn't do so that i can do J today jimmy can do things that yesterday jimmy can't do amen and jimmy five years from now is going to be able to do things that jimmy now can't do amen he's training you for greater things that you thought you could never do but god's using today day for your greater tomorrow. Somebody said amen. Amen. He's training you. He's training you. He's training you with those relationships, with those every, with every, with every fight that you have with your mom or your dad, with every disagreement that you have with your brother or sister, with every agitation you feel with your coworker. He's training you. He's training you. So thank God. Amen. I remember one pastor said, one of these days, thank your enemies. Amen. Thank your enemies. Thank your agitations because God used it. Amen. You're going to see that God used it. All those bears, all those lions. See, David didn't complain. He didn't say, oh, I hate this job. Right. When you hate your job, you hate everything that happens in your job. Right. And, and especially when bad things happen. Right. If you hate your job, when bad things happen, when problems happen, you hate it even more. Oh, seriously. Right. Why does this computer not work? You know? You know what I mean? That's me. It's like when you get stressed out, freaking computer, it's demon possessed in Jesus' name. I rebuke that computer in Jesus' name. Everything's working against me. Everything's working against me, right? You know, and then when problems happen, you complain anymore, right? It's like, oh, seriously? A lion? A lion, right? I don't even want to do this job anyways. I don't want to take care of these sheep anyways. I'm supposed to be a king. I'm supposed to be a, a leader. I'm a warrior. Why am I taking care of the sheep? Freaking lions, right? Go ahead, eat them. Eat them. You know what I mean? Right? If David just had that kind of attitude he's like you know what uh, this is I'm, I'm, I'm meant for greater things so I'm just I'm just I'm not going to even try hard with this job because this job doesn't even matter right if he had not had a good attitude if he had looked at those lions and those bears and those problems as problems instead of opportunities he would have missed his opportunity to be trained and prepared for Goliath amen but instead of seeing problems as problems he saw those problems as growth right? Growth opportunities, growing opportunities, growing opportunities for his faith. That's why he could stand before Saul who said, you're not qualified. And he said, you know what? Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you some real specs, man. I've killed lions. I've killed bears. Not because of my ability, but because God is with me. And Saul said, you go, boy. All right. All right. Give him the job. Give him the job. Give him the job. Amen. Amen. All right. So, 
That's, that's number two. God's training you. Number three, God wants to change you. God wants to change you, right? He's using every situation, whether it's good or bad and ugly, and especially the bad and ugly, right, to, to train you, to grow you. Because, and this is the hard thing, right? Here's, here's one of the hard things that we need, but it's very hard to do. Uh, the hard thing that we need in order to change, the thing we need is to admit that we need change. And if you're going to admit where you need change, you've got to admit where you're wrong. You've got to admit where you're weak. You've got to admit where you, your character is bad. You've got to admit where your faith is weak. You've you got to admit where you're really at, right? And uh, there's this program in the States. I don't know if they have it in other countries, but it's called AA, and it stands for Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a group. It's a program to help people who want to be set free or to, to, to overcome alcoholism. And, and the thing that they do from the very beginning and each and every time they get, they get together is that they, they make people get up, say their name, and say this, hello, my name is Jimmy, I'm an alcoholic, right? Because they, psychology, sociology, whatever it is, they all know that the key to improving, the key to getting free is to admit where you're at. Now, you don't have to be defined by your weaknesses. Get that. You are a child of God. You are righteous. You are not your mistakes. You are not your weaknesses, right? But we do have to admit, all right, <laughs> I've got sinful things. I've got weaknesses. I've got bad character. I've got areas in my life that need to change. Because if we're not willing to own it, if we're not willing to take responsibility for it, we will never be able to change, right? So God puts us in situations that helps us to basically stop running away from our problems, because that's what a lot of people do, is that they'll run away, right? They'll go from job to job. They'll go from church to church. And, and the crazy thing is that they think everybody else is the problem. <laughs> you ever meet people like that? They go from church to church. It's like, oh, I went to this church, but the leadership, you know, they're so controlling and so manipulative, or, or that, that, that community was so, like, they have no grace, and they're so gossipy, so I went to this other. And you notice that in five years, they went to 10 different churches, <laughs> and you don't realize, well, maybe God... You, you, maybe you're right. Maybe they're sinful. Maybe they have problems. But maybe the reason why you're there is not for them to change, but is for you to change. See, see, God doesn't use perfect people to change you. He will use imperfect people to change you. Do you get that? Right? Even David ser served un under Saul, and God used Saul to refine and to change and to train and to prepare David. Right? But David could have said... Saul's the problem, Saul's the problem, Saul, he's, he's a bad man, he's a bad king, he's a bad character, and blah, 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 right? But Dave, David didn't do that. Instead of finger-pointing and blaming others, he said, how can I grow? How can I change, right? How is God using this for my destiny, right? And of course, David was so humble and so able to receive criticism, right, that when he made that mistake with Bathsheba, right, Nathan was able to come and call him out, right? He was able to come and confront him, and he received it well, he received it well. Are you able, right? Do people feel like they can bring criticism to you? Do people, do, do people feel like they can point out what you need to work on with you? Because some people, it's scary because you don't want to tell them, you know, you know, like, how does this dress look? And you can't be honest with them because <laughs> you don't want them to get mad at you and hate you and stop being your friend, right? You know what I'm saying, right? And, and so the key to life is, is to be the kind of person that people feel like they can be honest with. And because the more honest feedback you get, the better you'll become, amen? And so, but sometimes, 
You know, sometimes uh, uh, we need help. We need help to be able to see the things that we need to change, you know. And, and here's another thing. Here's another thing is that even when you do have a good attitude and even when you do really want to change, as humans, humans, it's still very hard for us to see ourselves and to see those weaknesses. And so God will use situations and circumstances to help expose things, to help us so, see things, right, in our life. So Malachi Chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. God will sit as a refiner and purify of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. So pay attention to that part. He will refine them like gold and silver, silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Right? Isaiah 48.10, it says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. There's this old school song. It's called, uh, it's called uh, Refiner's Fire. It's because this is how God helps us grow sometimes. He uses a lot of things to help us grow. But one of, those way, one of the ways he helps us grow is that he, he uses the refiner's fire, or he is the refiner's fire. So what does this mean? So God says, I will refine you like gold is refined, right? So when you find gold, right, natural gold in the dirt, inside the gold is a lot of things that are not gold. It's things that are not as valuable as gold. Minerals and rocks or things that are inside the gold. So if you want to make it pure, right, you got to take those things out of the gold. But how do you do that? Well, you take the gold and you put it in, you heat it up. You heat it, you put it in fire and heat it up. And the gold begins to sort of liquefy. And as it liquefies, the bad, the, 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 the lesser valuable stuff, the junk stuff, will start coming up to the surface. Right? It'll start rising up to the top, and then you skim it off, and then you cut it off, right? You cut it. So when you apply this to your life, fire is not very pleasant, is it? Right? Not very pleasant, right? So God may put you in difficult situations, hard situations, put you around people who are difficult, who will hurt your feelings, who, who, who will offend you, or just agitate you, just, just make you judging now, right? He'll put your people around that, right? And then you know what's going to happen? The stuff that inside you is going to begin to rise up going to rise up things are going to bubble up you know and, you, and, you, and you're going to if you're normally a patient person all of a sudden you're going to start being impatient <laughs> if you're usually kind you're going to be start finding yourself to be unkind you know um, I, I'm not going to name any names but somebody who's getting married soon um, you know uh, she, she I'm sure she's not going to buy it if I say this she, she was saying uh, you know in, in her preparation for the wedding she realized that she was getting mad a lot <laughs> she was getting angry a lot she was very sensitive and then one day she just stopped and said why am I so angry all the time right why am I so angry all the time right and uh, one pastor you know said to her it wasn't me it wasn't me one pastor said it's because your relationship with God is bad <laughs> Right, uh, and that may be true, but I think there, it's more to it than that. There's more to it. See, God will use situations to bring stuff out of us, bring stuff out of us. And depending on your attitude, when the stuff comes out, you say, "No, no, no, I'm a patient person. It's just that person is an annoying person, right?" And so you think that person's the problem, or you can have an attitude of purpose and say, "God is using that agitating purpose, uh, that agitating purpose person, to bring out." The fact that I am not perfect yet. I am not like Jesus yet. 
Hallelujah. He's, he's making these things come to the surface. So the good thing is that you are in the refiner's fire. God is using, you are in the process of God exposing things, right? Not exposing you. He's not exposing you. He's not trying to humiliate you, right? He's just trying to help you to see you need more of Jesus. Hallelujah. You need more grace. You need more love. See, we don't change by our efforts. Look, listen to me, Joyful City, right? Because this is, I, I don't know, I, 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 do, I don't know if this is okay to say, but I'll say, I'll say this. This is where I think we, we are, we're trying to be different, and, and this is what maybe makes us different than other churches, is that we don't, we don't believe we change ourselves. As a church, we don't preach us changing us. We believe grace changes us, love changes us. He who has been forgiven much loves much, right? Not the person who tries harder or feels guilty or commits more or, or, you know what I mean? Not the person who relies on their own strength. No, God brings out the bad in you so that you can experience more of his goodness, so that you get hungry. Hallelujah. See, all that bad stuff that's coming, your anger, right, your impatience, your lack of love towards those people, it's, it's supposed to get you to run to Him. It's supposed to get you to get more hungry for Him, more desperate for Him, right? He's stirring, right, your passion. He's stirring your urgency because, you know, let's admit, sometimes it gets boring. Sometimes we get lackadaisical. Sometimes we get comfortable. Sometimes we lack motivation and say, I, I think I'm a pretty good Christian. And God uses this situation and says, no, you're not like Christ yet, right? And so, and, and, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't expose those things to shame you. No, he says, look, I just want you to have more of me. Hallelujah. I want you to experience. I want you to taste and see that I am good. Amen, right? Hallelujah. See, G James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, humble yourselves, okay? James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He's not going to expect you to lift yourself up. He's not expecting you to change yourself. No, humble yourself, right? Oh my gosh, I'm not as patient as I thought I was. I'm not as loving as I thought I was. I'm not as gracious as I thought I was. I'm not as nice as I thought I was, right? But that's not condemnation, right? No, when God brings humility, it's so that he can elevate you. Amen? Right? God doesn't humble us to humiliate. He humbles us to elevate. Come on, somebody. And how does he elevate? By bringing us closer to him. That's number four. Here's number four. God's purpose in every situation of your life, good, bad, or ugly, every, in every situation, you know what God wants to do? You know what he's jealous? When you wake up, do you know what God wants to do in your life? Every day, Every moment, he wants to bring you closer to him. That's what God is jealous. Do you know that God is jealous for you? He is so crazy, madly in love with you. Think about it, right? He died on the cross for you. The, 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 the insane amount of love, the insane amount of love God has for you, has for you manifests in the purpose of using every situation to bring you closer to Him, whether it's good stuff. See, good stuff brings us closer to Him when we have an attitude of gratitude. When good things happen, right, we, we can give thanks and say, wow, this is the good God you are. When bad things happen, it can make us come to Him and say, God, I need more of you. I need more of your grace, right? 
James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, the drawing near to God is connected to the cleansing and the changing. The more I draw near to Him, the more I'm cleansed. The more I draw near to Him, the more I'm set free. The more I draw near to Him, the more my mind is made sure and put on firm foundation so it's not shaky and double-minded, right? Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And so what God is trying to train us to do, prepare us to do in every situation is to learn how to seek him at all times. Amen. Amen. God has a purpose in all situations. And what he wants you to do is to seek him at all times, right? Because there's two times that we stop seeking God. We stop seeking God. Well, there's technically three, but let me emphasize two. Number one is when things get good. Right? Isn't that true? When things are good, we tend to stop seeking God. Right? We, again, we become complacent because things are good. Right? We don't have this desperate urgency. Oh God, I need you. Right? Like when things are problem. Right? When 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 you lose your job, uh, when you lose your house, when the bills are due but you don't have enough money, when you're single and you're lonely. Right? We cry out to God. Oh God, I need you. But then you get the job, and then you get married. Right? And that desperation of seeking God's face is not there. The passion is gone. Right? So what we need to do is learn how to keep having that passion and that desperation for God, right, even in the good times. So why would you have passion for God in the, de- in, the, in the good times when you don't have any disparate situations? It's because God is so good. So we're talking about hunger. See, I'm hungry for steak all the time, good steak, right, <laughs> because it's so good, amen, right? There's this passion, you know. See, we're, we're so used to in the church, we're so used to seeing passion demonstrated when we are desperate or, or when we're repenting, right? Korean church, we're, we're so good at that. Julio, right? Julio, we need you. Julio, forgive us, you know? And, 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 and you know what I, I really dream of is seeing a church that, that screams and, and, and uh, you know, is so passionate outwardly because of joy, not because of problems. Can we stop only being passionate when we have problems, right? Let's start being passionate when we have God, when we have His grace, when we have Him, when we delight in Him. He's the steak. He's the, the McDonald's cheeseburger. I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, man, I still get super excited whenever I get a chance to eat the McDonald's cheeseburger, right? It's, it's, it's first love all over again, right? My wife will be like, hey, should we go to McDonald's? Oh, yes! Yes! Something in me leaps for joy. I'm, I'm, I'm serious, right? I'm free. I, I'm, I'm like a kid because of Jesus, amen? I just have this joy, you know? And when it comes to cheeseburgers, right? And that's how Jesus should be, right? Even in good times, I still get excited about him. I still have this passion for him because of who he is, amen? But if your life is based on what he does for you all the time, then yeah, you're not going to have that passion when things are good. So when you don't have that passion when things are good, that again is the fire, right? That is the test. That is the sign showing you, ah, I still need to get closer to God, amen? I st- my, my, my relationship with God still needs to go closer because I'm still in that immaturity where I still make it all about what he does for me. No, I need, about, I need to make it about who he is to me. Then that joy and that passion is gonna be there constantly, amen? And then the other times is, again, we need to learn how to seek God even when things are hard, when things are bad. See, some people seek God hard when things are bad, but some people find it hard to seek God when things are hard, 
right? The last thing you want to do is pray. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like going to church. You don't feel like, you know, you feel unmotivated. You feel down, right? The irony is that the days you don't want to work out is probably the days you really need to work out, right? <laughs> right? The day, you know, when it's really hard to go to the gym because you're so, like, unenergetic, right? It becomes this trap, right? It becomes this trap, right? Well, I don't feel energy, so I don't want to go to the gym. Well, you don't have energy because you don't go to the gym. And so you got to force yourself to go to the gym, and then you're going to get that energy and start a new, healthier cycle, right? And I can't tell you how many times when I did not feel like praising God, and I said, you know what? This is, just, this is the gym, right? This is not God forcing me to do anything. No, I know the power of praise, amen? Just like I believe in the power of working out, I believe so much more in the power of worship and the power of prayer, the power of God's word, so that if I don't feel like raising my hands, I'm going to raise my hands, amen? If I don't feel like kneeling, I'm going to kneel. And I tell you, every single time my mood did change, right? Every time I did worship, raise my hands when I didn't feel like it, something did switch inside of me, amen? Psychologists know this. Psychologists will tell you, right? If you don't feel confident, act confident. Put your hands on your hip, lift, raise your voice, and something inside of you is going to start clicking, Right? So psychologists are simply uh, observing a natural phenomenon based on a spiritual truth, on a spiritual reality. God made us this way. Right? God made us this way. And sometimes when you don't feel like it is when you need to do it. And then you're going to see the breakthrough. Amen? So we got to learn to seek God at all times. That's what God's training you to do. In the boring days, seek God. In the good days, seek God. In the bad days, seek God. He's training you because your destiny. Amen? See, David was able to seek God at all times when he was facing Goliath, right? When he, when he committed the worst mistake in his life, when he, when he, when he, when he, you know, that thing with Bathsheba, you know, that drama with Bathsheba, he kept seeking God. Why? Because he had trained himself all those days, the boring days, the hard days, the bear days, the lion days, the boring sheep days, the stupid sheep days, right? All those times. He trained himself to seek God at all times so that when he reached that place of his calling and destiny, when the stakes were high, right? Because let me tell you, it doesn't get easier to seek God. It never does, right? It doesn't, right? Life has a way of constantly pushing back. The enemy is going to continue to try to make it hard for you to seek God. So the more you seek God now, the more you train yourself to seek God when things are hard. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Right? You're training yourself in the future to seek God when things are tough. Amen? And number five. Here we go. My last point. And the fifth reason why, fifth purpose God has for you in every situation, family, friends, school, work, bad situations, good situations, is God wants to use you. Yes, God wants to use you now. God wants to use you in ways that perhaps you didn't even think he was using you in that way, you know? So I really want to encourage somebody uh, that, again, have faith that God can use the most unexpected thing. Like, you're gonna, you know, there's that, that, that verse where, um, where Jesus says in the end times, right, he's going to say, you know, to, to, to the goats, he'll say, you know, you didn't visit me when I was in prison. You didn't give me a cup of water. You didn't do all these things. And then he's going to say to the sheep, you know, you did this, you did that. And they're going to be like, what? We did that? When did we do that? When did we feed you? When did we clothe you, right? And, and what that means is that they did things that they didn't think was 
very supernatural. They, 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 they did things that were very normal and they didn't think it was very kingdom stuff, right? See, that's what I'm trying to get you to have faith about. That's what I want to get you excited about. Like things that seem so normal and that doesn't seem very supernatural kingdom are very kingdom and very supernatural. And, and God's going to use things you're doing today in ways that you just couldn't have imagined, you know? Little things, small things. I thought I was just being nice to the person. I thought I was just saying hi to the person. And, and you never know, right? that uh, how it's going to impact these little things so uh, uh, last week uh, I said that uh, you know that if you want to you know uh, influence people for the kingdom if you want to be a kingdom influence I said pray pray for people or uh, you know pray when when God you know leads you to pray because you just never know and uh, again it's just God's prophetic timing. We, we said that on Sunday, and then a couple days later, a few days later, uh, my spiritual father, Pastor Shim, he, uh, he messaged me with an incredible, incredible testimony. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and it starts in 1995, I believe. So 1995, around that time, uh, he went to speak for a retreat at Yale, Yale University, that Ivy League school. So he was, he was speaking to a whole bunch of Yale students, right? And uh, after the retreat, he, he uh, you know, for one reason or another, they decided to go watch a movie, and he went with some students from Yale who were at the retreat, so they tagged along, and they were with him. And he didn't know who they were, right, because he just met them or whatever. He wasn't familiar with them. And so he went with a group of Yale students uh, to watch Braveheart after the retreat. Uh, and then uh, after, after the movie, right, you know, I mean, he was still watching it. The credits are rolling, right? The movie just finished, but the credits are going. And he just, he just said this prayer. He had, he had this thing in his heart where he's like, man, what an awesome, inspiring movie. And he, yeah. and he prays this simple prayer. And he said, God, raise up Christians to make powerful movies like that. That's it, right? He says a simple prayer because it was in his heart just to pray in that moment, right? He was in this movie theater. He wasn't at church, right? He was probably really tired. He just got done with the retreat, you know? And I don't know if he was really thinking anything of it, right? Um, I mean, but this is Pastor Shane because he, he's an intercessor, so he probably was believing. But anyways, right? He was just praying this simple prayer because it just came out and it was just in his heart. Lord, raise up Christians to make powerful movies to make great movies right what he didn't know at that time and he found out just maybe recently within the last few weeks was that one of the students who was there next to him while he was praying that prayer that student uh, at that time was a pre-med student he was in medical school medical school preparing to become a doctor right and that student in his senior year, decided to drop out of medical school, so he didn't finish medical school, and he went into filming. And uh, in his pursuit uh, as a filmmaker, uh, he got really discouraged because nothing was happening, you know, uh, nothing, you know, just disappointment, discouragement. I, I don't know the details. But at one point, he was just about to quit, right, uh, being a filmmaker. But then God spoke to him and encouraged him and he persevered, and he continued on in his filmmaking. And what eventually happened was that he made a movie that was nominated for six Academy Awards last year. It was the movie Minari, Minari, 
right? You may have heard of it. It's this huge movie. It's actually about South Korean experience, uh, Koreans in, in America. And it was nominated last year for six Academy Awards, uh, including, right, the uh, actress Yoon Yeo Jong, right? The actress was in there and she won Best Supporting Actress. Uh, she's the first Korean to win an Academy Award, right? And, uh, and it all happened uh, through this guy. The director, his name was Isaac Chung Lee. And he was that student who was with Pastor Shin uh, next to him when Pastor Shin prayed that prayer, right? And I believe that's what, that was the reason why Pastor Shin prayed that prayer, was that he was sowing a seed of prayer into this young man. He had no idea why he was watching that movie. Even, even today, Pastor Shin messaged me. He said, I have no idea why we watched Braveheart. You know? Why would you watch such a gory movie after such a spiritual retreat? Right? Like, that was his thinking. Right? What, what kind of motivation do we have to watch Braveheart? He was like, what's the purpose of that? And now we see God had a purpose in it. Even in the movies you watch. Hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times, time and time again, I would watch something and later God would speak through it. You know, God has a purpose in everything. If you have the attitude, God will do it. If you are open to it, God will do it. If you are willing to believe, if you are willing to say, God, put a purpose on everything. Put a purpose on my movie watching. Put a purpose on my workouts. Put a, pur put a purpose on it, God. If you, if you are willing to do it, God will do it. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I believe sincerely with all my heart that the reason why God had Pastor Shin pray that prayer in that moment was because God knew that this guy one day would want to give up, would want to give up making movies. He knew that. And Pastor Shin's prayer was a seed in his life of encouragement, of motivation. It was a seed that helped him to hear God and to persevere. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your prayers are powerful, ladies and gentlemen. The prayers, the Bible says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Hallelujah. Sometimes your prayers changes lives directly. Sometimes your prayers are just seeds of strength for somebody to persevere in the future. You never know. You never know. God is using you. Amen. God is using you in ways that you can never imagine. Remember, remember, God uses, God used Peter's shadow to heal people. His shadow, right? His shadow, his shadow. God used uh, David taking care of sheep. So yes, perhaps God is using you teaching children, Hagwan teachers, right? Perhaps God is using you, right? Uh, as, 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 a, as a worker in some, some company and you think, this doesn't seem very supernatural. No, your supernatural God is with you. You are supernatural, amen? It's not the work that matters, it's you that matters, right? You are not normal. You are supernatural, amen? Amen. So believe, God is using you in your situation. Galatians chapter three, verse eight. Do we have it? All right, let's, let's end with this. And the scripture, and I love this, and I love this. And I hope you will make this your, one of your life verses, because I've done that for us, uh, for as a church, and for me, myself, personally. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel. Listen to that. God preached the gospel before to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Amen. Do you know what it means to be born again? Do you know what it means to to believe the gospel? Do you know what it means for the gospel to change your life? Right? It means you now are a nation blesser. You, yes you, you are now, right? You have nation changing, nation 
impacting, right? Academy Award fruit bearing. You have incredible, powerful, spiritual power and DNA inside of you. You are full of God's purpose. If you believe it, somebody said, amen. 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 Come on, let's give glory to the Lord. Thanks for joining us today. 오늘 저희와 함께 해주셔서 감사합니다. Joyful City Church is an international church located in Ilsan that exists to make an impact in Korea and beyond. Joyful City 교회는 일산에 위치한 국제 교회로 한국과 전 세계에 영향력을 끼치기 위해 존재하는 교회입니다. Our mission is to help everybody taste and see that God is good. 저희의 미션은 모든 이들이 주님의 선하심을 맛보고 알도록 돕는 것입니다. So, whether you are a Korean or a foreigner, there's a community at our church for you. 여러분이 한국인이든 외국인이든 저희 교회에는 여러분을 위한 공동체가 있습니다. We would love for you to come visit us and give us a chance to make you feel at home. 그러니 꼭 오셔서 가족과 같은 공동체를 누려보세요. For information about our service time and directions, visit our website at joyfulcity.org. 예배 시간이나 주소 등더 많은 정보가 알고 싶으시다면 저희 웹사이트에서 확인하실 수 있습니다. 웹사이트 주소는 joyfulcity.org입니다. Thanks again and hope to see you soon. 다시 한번 감사드리고요. 곧 만나뵐 수 있기를 바래요.